What's up, guys? Welcome back to episode 13 of the Pivot Points podcast. I'm Matt here, joined by Bennett. We have a uh, another really special episode for you here today. We have another guest, Chancellor Jackson. He was born in Georgia and grew up in uh, Smyrna, Georgia, and attended Stetson University. For nine years, he played football at the high school and collegiate level. And after graduating with a bachelor's degree in communications, he lived abroad in China from 20. From 2019. And when he lived there, he fell into writing because he had a uh, traumatic experience there that we'll talk about here in a second. But joined here by Bennett, who's over in Colorado, and Chancellor. How you doing, man? What's going on, man? Blessings and balance to y'all. Blessings and balance to everyone that's tuning in right now. I yes, love that sir. energy you're bringing, Chancellor. Already. Sagittarius season, fire season. You know what I mean? We lit. <laughs> we lit. Of course. Awesome, man. Well, kind of. Uh, getting just getting right into it growing up in in georgia so east coast me and bennett uh, i'm from virginia beach he's new jersey east coast growing up you want to just kind of get into maybe a little summary of growing up what it was like for you you know just getting into football stuff like that yeah for sure for sure so um pretty much i had a man i had a solid solid childhood you know what i'm saying balanced childhood um never really had to struggle for real for real you know what i'm saying my mama was a go-getter you know what i mean very responsible and she did what she was supposed to do so like far as going hungry and lights being out and that we ain't never have to endure anything like that because you know what i'm saying she did what she was supposed to do so shout out to her um we also traveled a little bit you know what i'm saying i went traveled outside the country a couple times as a as a kid london and bahamas and stuff like that so um, just being exposed to just different cultures and uh, ways of life early on definitely, you know what I'm saying, played a factor into how I am yeah. today. So definitely, I was always, I was a natural born leader, always been wise and mature for my age, <laughs> always right. the voice right. of reasoning amongst my peer group. Um, and I always, you know what I'm saying, on a roll, perfect attendance, you know what I'm saying? And then once I started playing oh, yeah. football, that shit just sharpened me even more. So um play started playing football in eighth grade and played throughout high school and you know what I'm saying, made got the opportunity to play at the next level, D one school, Stetson, and where I played all four years. And for those that are football fans, I'm a DB at heart. That's the only position I've ever played my entire career. Free safety, strong safety, corner, nickel corner, you name it. True DB, all in all. But, um, so yeah. So after I graduated from Stetson with a bachelor's degree in communication, um, I landed my first job teaching English to children. So that's how I ended up in China. So I was teaching kids as uh, young as three years old, all the way up to 14 while I was out there. And, um, China was absolutely lit, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. China was absolutely lit. And then, of course, things happened. And <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What, what brought you over to China? Uh, it's mainly like, so I, I, my career ended, my football career ended November 2017. So I ain't have no real aspirations going to the league or nothing like that. You know what I'm saying? I was really burnt out on football. Um, so. Mm-hmm. Once the, you know what I'm saying, the career came to end, I started applying for jobs immediately. And these all American companies and corporate-based positions that I'm applying for, marketing, sales, management, you know what I'm saying, stuff like that. Yeah. And I'm applying, landing interviews, conducting the interviews, but still coming up short as far as landing the job. So I did this whole process. I did this whole system 
consecutively for about eight months. So you know, I graduated from Cessna. I'm back home. Still ain't got nothing going. You know what I'm saying? But I'm resilient. And I, you know, I stayed at it. I just ain't quit and came across the opportunity to teach English to children. I see them saying they had basic requirements, you know what I'm saying? And it was, the application process was really, really easy. So I just applied and just shot my shot. And man, I ain't expect to wet it, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I just shot yeah. and pulled up from half court, you know what I'm saying? That bill dropped. Yes, like, oh, okay. And this first job to tell me yes. So I'm like, shit, bro, at this point, I'm willing to do anything. So mm-hmm. China, China sounds lit. Regardless, you know what I'm saying? So, travel but live abroad someplace at your first as your first job after graduating from college. But nobody's That's doing really that. cool. <laughs> nobody's yeah. doing that. I'm like, this is it right here. So it wasn't no ifs, ands, or buts about it for real, for real. That's a very unique, yeah. very unique experience. And you know, from from what you've said about your childhood, um, you know, being being brought up with these leadership characteristics sounds like you were the perfect man for the job, you yeah. know, to go over there. Um, and, and tell us about, tell us about, you know, how, you know, how you went over there and, uh, what got you into writing? Did you start writing before you, uh, had gone over to China? I mean, I, my degree in communication. So of course, as far as just like schoolwork, mm-hmm. a lot of my assignments, it's hella writing that I had to do, but you know what I'm saying? That's school shit. I ain't trying to do that. They making me do it. So it's like. It was nothing that. Of course, it, it, was, nah, it wasn't it, it, was something you were driven to write. Yeah, you know? no, nah, especially in high school. High, that's college. I ain't really start writing until I got to college. In high school, middle school, mm-hmm. what is a paper? What is an essay? What is that? I don't even know what that right, is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It was a rude awakening when I got to college. I'm like, damn, we got to write papers. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? So. Yeah, and I was a uh, I was a marketing major. I went to Virginia Tech, so I I feel that because yeah. we. That it's like really similar to the communications and media. Actually, that's like what the marketing classes are called at a lot of schools. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's exactly what it is. I feel that, man. It's it's like writing and all, you know, those soft skills and stuff like that. So I struggled a little bit, like finding a job that was a good fit and stuff like that, too, because it's like it's hard when you're an accountant or you're in technology, like you can show these spreadsheets and you'd be like, okay, this is what I can do. I'm good at math. But when you have these soft skills, these people skills, yeah. it's like Tom Brady almost. You can't put a number on that leadership, on that resilience, on their soft skills. You know, they can fucking sell a pen to anyone. You know, you can't put a number on that. Like Tom Brady, you can't put a, that. He didn't have the passer rating, all that, but he had that leadership shit. So I think I found that a lot with, you know, communications and marketing individuals that they have those skills that are almost, it's like people, it's it slept on almost, yeah. you know what I mean? For, <laughs> for the skills that they have. Yeah. I, I found college. College is one of those places where, the true value in it is the general knowledge you get, not so much the things you learn about your major, the really niche knowledge, you know, that's, that's very important. But, you know, even more than that, it's, it's the soft skills, the general knowledge and the general intelligence that you gain through the entire experience that you can, it gives you the confidence to go out and do, do anything you want. Mm-hmm. Um, but in any case, um, I, I am really curious because, you know, uh, Chancellor, you, you know, I've, I've looked these, looked up your books, man, and, you know, they've sold really well. And um, I haven't had a chance to read them, but, you know, the first one I'm looking at is 14 Days in Beijing. Yes, and I, I know, I know very little about this. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe we could dive right in For and sure. you could tell us about this experience you had 
uh, I think getting locked up abroad in China. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, the book starts, you know what I'm saying, chapter one, April 4th, 2019. It's a day off for me. Um, I'm planning to head to an event with colleagues and friends just to have fun, kick shit, you know what I mean? Just lay back. Um, so before I go to the event, I'm like, shit, I'm a pregame first. You know what I mean? So for those that don't know what pregaming yeah. is, I'm sure vast majority of y'all do. But for those that don't, <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? Pregaming is like when you and a group of people going to go out on a night full of festivities. And then, like before we go out, let's go. Out, let's meet at somebody else first. And then we're going to turn up at the house. And then we're going to go out and have even more fun. All right. So I'm at the crib. I'm just drinking some Chinese liquor, smoking some cannabis in my little silver pipe. You know what I'm saying? Listen to music, just vibing out. I get across. I get crossfaded. You know what I'm saying. Start getting dressed. Um, in the midst of me getting ready, I hear a knock at the door. Guess I'm unfamiliar. I look through the peephole. It's three officers from the Beijing police. Oh, Instantly, shit. my heart sinks into my stomach. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So, Damn, yeah. scramble to put everything up. You know what I mean. Open the door. They come in, question me about drugs. I'm from Atlanta. This is city of finesse. You live by the finesse. You die by the finesse. So of course <laughs> I'm just sitting there finessing, act like I don't know what they're talking about, playing the fool. Um, time progresses. Uh, no, more officers enter the apartment. One of them has something in his hand. Once I realize what the item is, it's a drug test. So they drug test me right there on the spot. I oh, know shit, they can do that there? This is China. <laughs> Damn. That, yeah, that's crazy. So it's different laws and all that. They that's can crazy. do whatever the hell they want. <laughs> and I'm a foreigner. And they land violating. Trust me, they can do whatever the hell they want. So, right. you know what I'm saying? As soon as he pulled the drug test out, I was like, oh, yeah, this shit over with. <laughs> I was like, it's nah. over with, bro. I just got done smoking, boy. It's over with. But do the drug test. Fail the drug test, of course. And um, now more officers are into the apartment. It's probably like seven, eight of them in the apartment now searching. One of them in particular speaks English fluently. He's talking to me and interrogating me about failing the drug test and about, you know what I'm saying, if I have any more weed, who I get it from, just trying to see if he can get any viable information out of me. Now, I'm high as hell, nervous, panicking, <laughs> and I'm lying. So it's just like, it, it, it's really a shit show because, you know what I'm saying, first thing that comes to my head, first thing that comes to my head, I'm just blurting out. I ain't even really thinking about it, nothing. So I know the answer I'm giving not making sense. I'm catching myself lying. So I know he catching me lying, but I'm from Atlanta, so I'm going to sit here and finesse till I can't no more. <laughs> For real. So once he realized, like, we going back and forth, going back and forth, he realized that I wasn't going to give him anything he could work with. He just made it clear that it's like, man... My boy, you caught red-handed. The charade is up. You know what I'm saying? We know you got a little bit extra on you. You know what I'm saying? Just, you know what I'm saying? It mm-hmm. is, you know what I'm saying? Give it up. Give exactly. It up. So once he made it clear <laughs> like that, I'm like, for sure, bro. For sure. I live by the finesse, die by the finesse. I'll die by the finesse right, right now. I'll live by the finesse another day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But just so we can just stop all this back and forth, you know what I'm saying? For sure. It is what it is. You right. I got to hold myself accountable at this point. You know what I'm saying? Accountability has has, has to uh, take place. So hold myself accountable. Tell them where I had hit the rest of my stash. Come to find out they've been figured. They've been founded. They just want to see if I was just going to tell on myself. Um, so confiscate everything, throw the cuffs on me, escort me out the building, sit me down in the police van. Um, I'm sitting there just reflecting. Uh, just, I'm still high as hell. Disbelief that this is happening. Lots of thoughts running through your brain, man. But it's like I'm calm though. You know what I'm saying? I ain't even really tripping. As scared as I was when they first showed up at the apartment, but once I was caught red-handed, like everything was like it was clear that I was caught red-handed. Then all that fear, that shit just Mm -hmm. it just man, it leaves. Then 
Like, I'm no longer scared. It's like, shit, it is what it is at this point. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't know what's going to happen. Nobody knows this is happening to me. They're not explaining nothing to me. I'm going to find out soon, though. I know that for a fact. I'll find out. Just be patient and uh, stay positive and take note of every minor detail because it's going to be a great story to tell once you're out of this predicament. I'm saying all this to myself. So right. we get to one precinct. I'm, we're only there briefly. I'm just sitting down in the in the waiting area, handcuffed, steady reflecting, and um, come back and get me. We get back in the van. I have no clue where we're going, what's happening next. Uh, I know I'm going to find out, though. So we just riding. We end up at another precinct. This one's a lot larger and has holding cells. So that's where they house me in holding cell with other Chinese inmates or other recent arrests. And at the second precinct, my official interrogation is done. It's dramatic within the book because they take me to the basement of the precinct into this room and lock me into this electric chair just to do it, do the interrogation. An electric chair. Well, it, it, it didn't, it wasn't an electric chair, but it looks like one. Like this is an all metal okay, chair okay. and it locks you, literally locks your shins, your thighs, your waist, your chest, and your arms all into one place. The only part of my body that I could move was my head. I did my God. whole interrogation locked into this metal chair. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh my God. So, do the interrogation. Of course, you take my mug shot, handprint, all this, that, and the other. Have me sign a bunch of stuff I can't read, thumbprint it, boom. Take me back up to the holding cell where I'm there for the remainder of, you know what I'm saying, that time. So, hours done pass. It's dark. They come back and get me from the holding cell, take me to the lobby, and hand me my best clothes, tell me to get dressed. So, I'm like, okay, cool. Everything done worked out. These folks done let me go. Bet. <laughs> Bet. We lit. I get dressed. I'm sitting there waiting. They had me follow them through a door behind the front desk, and we in the hallway now. And at the end of the hallway is a small room that's crowded with officers. So I'm following one officer to the room, and as I enter the room, I can only assume that this is some type of evidence room because it just it looks it evidence bags all over this motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? On shell, it's just everywhere. It's it's messy in here too. So it's like I, I can only assume this is probably like an evidence room. In front of me is a table. On to the right of the table is monitors, TV monitors where they watch the footage from the officer's body camera. To the left is everything that was confiscated from my apartment. So they take the weed that I was that they confiscated and they weighed it right up in front of me. And this is an interesting, this is a very interesting part of because we're still in chapter one, mind y'all. <laughs> you know what I'm right. saying? So this is a very interest like interesting and pivotal piece of the story because like I said, I don't receive any information this entire time I'm incarcerated. I'm here to tell y'all I did 14 days. As you read, you'll see that. You don't know what the hell going on. You just every day. Did you did you know what the hell's going on? Did you realize that you were gonna be, you know, locked up? I did not. Them folks ain't tell me nothing. I'm signing oh my God. paperwork. I can't read. They not explaining to me explaining anything to me, not even at least trying. And I'm not asking no going out my way to ask any questions. Where I'm from, we don't talk to them. <laughs> so it's just like, if y'all ain't got nothing yeah. to say to me, I definitely got nothing to say to y'all. And on top yeah, of that, yeah. I'm a man of color that I got locked up over here for drugs. And I got locks and my physique is a little bit more stature than the average. So it's like, let me be on my best behavior before I make this shit even worse than it already mm -hmm. is. You know what I'm saying? Let me be as compliant as possible. Y'all ain't yeah. even think you're going to forget. I'm here for real. For real. I'm going to be so quiet. For real. <laughs> I'm working my yeah. one. So it's like, so yeah, so how uh 
How strict is my bad? I was just saying, like, because, uh, like, initially when you reached out to me about your, this concept in your book, and I hadn't even heard of it. Number one, which I was like blown away. I was like, I have not heard of this shit. So we gotta get you on and and get this shit out there. And number two, it made me think of you're probably familiar with the DJ Esco yep, shit yep. over in in Dubai. Yep. I immediately thought of that shit too. Yep. And it's just, what what is it like? Like, what was it like over there as far as kind of the like the law culture and like what was illegal what was what was their shit you were like i can't believe this shit is illegal yeah yeah like um one thing in particular is uh like say if you they you can practice pretty much whatever religion you want to but if you like trying to get people to persuade people to you know i'm saying look at your views or you know i'm saying Mm -hmm. or try to join what you got going on they will arrest you for that and as you read the book and you read all the other foreigners and all the other inmates i'm locked up with Everybody in there is locked up for petty ass shit. Everybody, for the most part, everybody's locked up for petty ass shit. Stealing, fighting, prostitution, (laughs) something wrong with the visa. You know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. the the pettiest, the smallest shit. They get locked. They get locked up for that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And how about how about um, speaking Chinese? Did you did you have a tough time? You know, fitting into the culture and even understanding the language. I, I I took the time out to study a little bit before I took before I went over there for sure. But I, as far as having an in depth conversation like us three are having right now, hell right. no, nah, it's not happening. No, nah. <laughs> I knew just enough to move and groove. You know what I'm saying? Get uh-huh. what I needed. Just yeah. work on one finesse. That's all I needed. You know what I'm saying? As far as holding, yeah, nah, like not nah, in. Wow. So. Even if I so, in addition to that, so that's why communication was non-existent too. You know what I'm saying? So, so folks don't have their opinions about Americans for sure. Vast majority of the time, I really ain't experienced any malicious or ill will, ill intent from any of the the for, uh, native Chinese people. Like that's awesome. I, that's great. I this, the people was one of the every time people ask me how was China the people is like top on the list. Cause I'm like, but I've That's never awesome. met a group of people like this. You know what I'm saying? Like they got respect, they're, respect. And they're very disciplined, honorable, noble. You know what I'm saying? They're just ignorant, mm-hmm. but everybody is ignorant when it comes to other cultures. We're just as ignorant as they are. So it's like, we, you know what I'm saying? We, we was just back at, you know what I'm saying? At us is way yeah. we sit there and point at them. So it's like, that shit not the yeah. game there. I was experienced. I got some, I received the best customer service I've ever received in China. That's wow. awesome. And they don't even accept tips. That's just them doing their job. Mm-hmm. Really? You know what I'm saying? Wow. Like, Wait, so they, they don't accept accept tips at no, all? I've heard some no. other countries being like that. What? So what is that like? Are you, if you want to, are you able to be like, I'm so fed up of that here. You know, you got, you got COVID surcharges now. You got, you know, uh, the, the buttons where the, you know, 18, 20, 22% are just laid out in front of you. And in New York City, I, 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 gotta just go off on this little rant real quick <laughs> i was seeing i was seeing 22 25 and 28 percent on top of a covid surcharge as the as the pre-bundled options mm. and and you know like it's it's getting out of hand <laughs> they just monetizing off of it now like well they've been they're monetizing taxing, off they tax it everywhere yeah they just yeah getting but sorry continue <laughs> but um shit what was the question just uh, just like that that tip culture over there is it like oh, if yeah, you yeah, want to yeah. give them money do they nah, even accept it or nah, what's it nah, like no nah, nah, they'll just turn it down well you like you try to Man. force it in their pocket they'll take it out and they'll just leave that shit on the floor like, <laughs> yeah. you know like that's yeah. crazy yeah 
that's just them doing their job. So it's like that's what I'm saying. They different, bro. And the, so the people I fuck with the people. Like you, you, I met some genuine, genuine spirits out there for sure, for sure. Great spirits. Um, Hell yeah. So, so, so moving on, um, you know, you're you're there. You're signing papers that you don't understand. They tell you to get dressed, and you know, and, and what what happens from there? So yeah, so they weigh the weed that they confiscated from my apartment up in front of me. And uh, I told that's why I said this is one of the most important like pieces or like just one of the I, I didn't receive any information. So I have no clue what's going on the entire time. But I did. So I'm very spiritual, very spiritually inclined and in tune with my ancestors. So them weighing the weed up in front of me was one of the first messages or one of the first signs that I received from the higher power in regards to how long I was going to be there. And I have like two, three more dreams or messages and signs throughout the book that, you know what I'm saying, validate how long I'm going to be there and how I'm going to be released too. You know what I'm saying? It, it isn't until I done, I done came back home and wrote the book, and, you know what I'm saying? I'm editing this shit now and I'm realizing what really took place right in front of me, you know what I'm saying, in my own eyes, like that just went completely over my head during the, you know what I'm saying, the fog of war. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until after the fact that I'm like reflecting on it and reinviting, like, damn, bro, I was. Man, I knew the whole time. I just, my subconscious knew. Really? My subconscious yeah, knew. I just ain't know. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, I've received signs. So they weighed the weed up in front of me. It totals to be, it totals out to be 1.4 grams. Now, for those that do partake in cannabis, you know, 1.4 grams isn't a lot. If you don't partake in cannabis, we're talking units of measurement. 1.4 grams of anything is not a lot. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, but you look at that decimal, 1.4 grams. You remove that decimal, what number do you get? 14. Hence the title of the book. Uh, well, that's one of the very first signs I receive. That's wow. that's fucking crazy. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy shit right there. Yeah, that's one of the very first ones. And it's so early into the book. You know what I'm saying? That's still the first chapter. So they put everything on paper, has, had me sign it, thumbprint it. Um, then we get back in the van. Don't know what's happening next. They ain't explained nothing. I'm just hoping they finna let me go about it by now. So we riding, riding, and next thing I know, shit, we had, we arrived at a facility with tall walls and barbed wire. And I was like, damn, this shit just getting started. <laughs> damn, <laughs> oh, this shit just getting started. So we go in, go to the nurse, nurse's office, do a little physical. They give me my uniform, put all my stuff up in the storage, and take me upstairs to where the men house, and we get to cell 209. Mine used like 4 o'clock in the morning. The CO opens the cell door. And my psych is instantly thrown for a loop at what, due to what I see. Immediately, I see a huddle of bodies sleeping, you know what I'm saying, just cluttered next to each other. Across from the inmates sleeping is two inmates that are wide awake, standing, watching other inmates sleep. So with the two inmates being awake, the only ones awake, of course, we make eye contact because we're the only ones that's up. The last thing they expected was to see a man of color come walking through this door with locks, you know what I'm saying? So they looking at me crazy. And here I am. The last thing I expected was to see two Chinese motherfuckers watching a bunch of other Chinese motherfuckers sleep. So I'm looking at them crazy like, what the hell y'all got going on? So we just got this awkward moment of just eye contact, like just trying to figure out, like, or make sense of what, what, like, what's going on here. <laughs> you yeah, know what I'm saying? Situation so we're in. so I, do, I do a count. It's 15 of us in this cell. All right. I count the beds, it's, which are wooden bunks, wooden planks. It's nine of them. 
So I'm like, that's I, in the book I described it as the, it looked like a slumber party on on the bunks. You know what I'm saying? It looked like a, like yeah. when we was kids, we had to sleep over with our cousins and friends and shit. You know what I'm saying? It's a limited amount of space to sleep, so we all got to make room. That's what it looked like. But these random grown men, you know what I mean? So uh, to the left in the cell is the bathroom, his own separate room, but all the walls are made of glass, so everybody in the cell can see inside. So it's a uh, sink in there, toilet of course, but the toilet is a squat toilet, so a hole in the ground that you got to squat over. Um, the uh, the shower ain't number the water holes with a shower head tied to it, black mold all on the walls, flies and gnats and shit flying around. Um, so I approached the slumber party, <laughs> and one of the inmates that was uh, up taking watch, he wake two two Chinese inmates up to make room for me. And they do, so I put my bowl and my spoon in the little cubby, and I just lie down flat on my back, and I'm just standing at the uh, light on the ceiling. And that's when it re- shit really is reality really kicked in. Then you know what I'm saying? It's like okay, yeah, this 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 the real deal right here. <laughs> like this the real deal, bro. Like nobody know you here, fool. Man, these folks ain't told you nothing. You don't know how long you gonna be here, bro. You don't even know how none of this shit work, bro. It's not looking too good. <laughs> it's not looking too good. But hey, man. I got to hold myself accountable first and foremost, cause can't nobody. I can't blame nobody for me being in this situation but me. And in addition to that, I know I'm going to be good when it's all said and done. I prayed to my ancestors this morning before everything popped off, so I know I'm going to be good. I'm going to pray to them again before I lay down. Um, first thing first, but folks got to realize I'm missing. That's a, this is a conversation I'm having with myself. I like folks got to realize I'm missing. And in order f- for that to be the case, well, I didn't show up to that event I was supposed to uh, meet friends and colleagues at. So I'm sure that was weird that I didn't show up, and I'm sure they called me and I didn't answer. Now, when I don't show up for uh, class on Saturday, my 8 o'clock class on Saturday, all hell breaking loose. Because, one, they got to find somebody to cover my class last minute. And then, two, mm-hmm. one of my colleagues that I was going to meet at that event Thursday, me and her work in the same school. So she going to know for a fact, like, all right, he ain't show up to the event, and he ain't answer his phone. Now he ain't at work, and he ain't answering his phone. Something's wrong. That's going to be the red flag, and the search for me will begin then. In addition to that, I had a girlfriend at the time that still lived in America. I said, when I don't respond to two of her messages, that's going to be another red flag, and she's going to start. Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm saying? So I'm like, I know mm-hmm. I'm going to at least sit through the weekend before any real motion occurs. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So right. I just got to stay down. Real talk. I'm like, I just got to stay down, man. Trust the process. And man, just take it step by step, bro. That's it. And so I was locked up 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 15 people to one cell, nine wooden beds. And for those 14 days straight, all I had was one plastic bowl and one plastic spoon. Damn, Jesus. Well, that's what that's it's just a crazy story and and just so much more to it that, oh, yeah. you know, they'll the link for the book will be in the bio here. So that'll be here. And, and please, everyone, be sure to check that out. I'm making my way through it right now. It's super interesting, but kind of pivoting here into more of the business aspect after the case you know you're out you had the idea to write the book fast forward to getting you know your book has been like bennett said wildly successful i think you like five times number one bestseller on amazon and all this other stuff 15 yeah my apologies like just crazy and (laughs) how did you go about doing this like getting it publicized like did yeah. you know like okay i gotta go to a company how did you maneuver yourself Man. around this this world this but it was all it was all written bro that's all i can say it was written for me to do it because once i once i got back to america 
and I'm just telling people, friends and family about what happened to me. It don't matter. It ain't matter who I told. Every time I told the story, I'm talking about I got people at the edge of their seats. And I'm like, bro, I know I, I got I got to do something with this story. I don't know what I ain't going to be sitting here and telling this motherfucker a million times. But I, I got to come up with a way for me to, you know, what I'm saying be able to share this story with the masses because I'm like, this it's powerful. Um, it wasn't until like months later. It's like July. I'm chilling with one of my tribal members and um, he was a published author before we graduated high school in 2014 and traditionally published, you know what I'm saying? The old school way. Mm-hmm. So he mm-hmm. was the one that put the bug in my ear. Like, Hey bro, you should write a book about that shit. I'm like, damn, boy, that's a good ass idea. You right. <laughs> I'm like, boy, that is, I'm like, boy, that's it. That's a good ass idea. Where do I start? I have no clue. I have no clue, but I, I definitely could write a book about it. He threw me an alley, another alley-oop. Took my phone, went in my notes of my phone, and gave me a little outline, five layers, very brief. And I just went in and just started filling it in. And then mm-hmm. next thing I know, I'm like, damn, buddy, I'm really writing. So I, I took it from the notes of my phone and created a Google Doc for it. And so now I'm just typing it on the computer and shit. And yeah, bro, I wrote the whole thing about four months, the whole story in about four months. And then the next six months was just spent editing and fine-tuning and getting the cover and all that stuff ready. Um, I knew... I'm, I, my favorite rapper is Nipsey Hussle, so I'm a marathon runner, independent, ownership, nigga, all right, money yeah. in, all, no money out. That's the type of model I live by. So, so the self-publishing route was the gonna be was the best route. You know what I'm saying? Just because that's the blueprint that Nipsey laid. Um, so he, that's, he was that's, so he's so motivational, man. Man, I, I <laughs> man, I swear, swear, I quote him a lot in everything that I do. So. Um, yeah, so I, I went the self-publishing route. Um, and so everything that I got locked up on April 4th, 2019, April 4th, 2020, the anniversary date, the anniversary year, first year anniversary, I dropped part one, like the original, original version of 14 Days of Beijing, like the short story to part one. Mm-hmm. And while I was still on pre-sale, I was ranked number one in three different genres. Um, so, and it was like, hey, but I didn't do nothing. I didn't do nothing crazy far as marketing, bro, like, it was just perfect timing. It was divine timing, bro. 14 days in Beijing. Look, you see the cover. It, you know what I'm saying? The title, the cover, it's captivating. Mm-hmm. Like, what is 14 days in Beijing? Okay, he got handcuffs on. He got a mask on. Don't really know. You know what I'm saying? So it's Beijing. It's taking place in China. Corona, and it. this is 2020. So this is when coronavirus just popped off for real, for real, and shut everything down. Like, literally, like, corona, like, corona shut everything down like two weeks before I started uh, the 14 days release. You know what I'm saying? So people at home ain't got nothing else but time on their hands. They see this, whatever this 14 days Beijing is, knowing COVID started in China. And the book takes place in, whatever this is that he's promoting takes Mm -hmm. place in China. He has a mask on. Everywhere you go now, you got to have a mask on. So it's like, okay. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it was just perfect, bro. Literally, it was just perfect. Perfect timing, divine timing. And just my spirit and my energy being behind it, shit, that bitch went crazy, fool. <laughs> and it's like I didn't stop there. You know what I'm saying? I, I went hard, bro. I really went hard with the marketing. You know what I'm saying? For it to go number one the amount of times it did, bro. I went hard with the marketing. I solely did all that shit on my own. Just me working my one and just what I learned in school. You know what I'm saying? And paying attention to what my marketing strategy came from politicians. I was like, huh. bro, you pay attention, bro. Like, even if you don't even pay attention to politics, you're not into it. You don't plan on voting, none of that, bro. I guarantee you know somebody that's running for something just because. You see it everywhere you go. 
Literally, bro, everywhere you – doesn't be voting season. Bro, you're going to see signs for elections for folks running for something everywhere you go. You know exactly who's running for what. Even if you don't plan on voting or not, you still know. So I'm like, shit, that's what I got to do. <laughs> that's why I, I got to continue to put this shit in uh, people's faces. Yeah. So just doing skits, interviews, um, a lot of photo shoots, traveling. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then just like posting everybody that's buying the book. You know what I'm saying? People got to see something seven times before they actually choose to, like, engage with it. So, just, you know what I'm saying, just flooding it, flooding, flooding, and flooding it. It's like, bro, it was, it was all momentum, for real, for real. It, and I released the entire book as a five-book short story series. So, that gave me even more momentum versus just dropping the whole thing once. And that just would have been it. Now, I got part one, April. Part two, May. Part three, August. Part four, uh, October. Part five, December. I stretched that shit. All, I trapped it out all year. And then came back April 4, 2021, put all them shits together as one book. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? And that shit was, was number one and got them multiple genres. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's just, and this is just, it's just a great story. Great story and a great spirit behind it. For real. Yeah. It really seems that, you know, your, your mindset, your disposition, you know, rolling with whatever's happening allowed you to really reflect and and keep your head up through the entire situation definitely well i mean that's that's really something never let no hard hard time humble us nipsey said it best did you all this you know the mindset and uh you know just having that that great energy did that come along with uh you know your upbringing as well or did you do you learn or study any of that mindset stuff where'd you get that from because i i just really love the energy and yeah. and as you said that's probably a big reason that this took off so well um shit bro a lot of this shit just innate to be honest it's just yeah. bro you can't you can't replicate this <laughs> you know what i'm saying people people try to you can't even imitate it you know what I'm saying? If it ain't true, bro, then, you know what I'm saying? You just out of, you out of your body, bro. You know what I'm saying? You trying the to do smallest things need to come together in the right way. On me. On me. And it's just like nothing in my life, like, even though I ain't had to really struggle, like, from a financial standpoint growing up, that doesn't mean everything that I chose to do was given to me. Like, hell no, nah, bro. I had to work and get everything that I was able to accomplish out of the mud, bro. I didn't start playing football until I was 13 years old. Most people start playing football when they fucking five, dude. You feel me? Yeah. So, Especially yeah. out there in Texas, man. It's crazy how early. Yeah, so, so I'm in Georgia. So you know, it's another powerhouse state. So it's like, man, I got mm-hmm. a lot of catching up to do. Just, you know what I'm saying, for yeah. this football, bro. When I stepped out on the football field, bro, only thing I knew was catch and run. Like, bro, I'm going to go run this goal and just throw it, bro. That's all I know. Y'all talking about some X, Y, and Z. And I, bro, I don't know what you talking about, bro. I'm going to run this goal, bro, just throw this ball up. That's all I knew when it came to football. So it was like, it was a whole lot of learning that learning that I had to catch up on as far as just the knowledge of the game and, you know what I'm saying, especially the specific position that I was trying to play. Um, so... That was a marathon. I was just, I had to work my way up the depth chart. I ain't really land a starting spot on varsity till midway through my junior year, and then once in my senior year, I ain't have no looks, no offers, no interest, nothing from any type of school. I got that shit at the mud myself because I said I wanted to play D one football. So if the coaches ain't gonna help me, I got I'm gonna do it my damn self. So what did I do? Every day after school, I have an entire list of schools from D one, D two, D three, NAIA, JUCO. And I'm emailing every last one of these motherfuckers. If anybody has anything to do with football, I don't care if you a GA, if you a trainer, or you work in the media, I don't care. If you have anything to do with football, you got an email for me. 
And I did that shit every day until I found some place to go. And it just so happened to be the level that I wanted to be at. And now we fast forward. <laughs> I get to college. I was recruited there. I pretty much walk on. I still got to get this shit out the mud because these folks not even looking for me. They paying attention to the kids they recruited. They put so much time and energy into. So I still ain't, you know what I'm saying? I had to work my way up the depth chart, up the ladders through college. You know what I'm saying? I ain't really land a starting position, like a starting spot until my senior year. <laughs> so it's just like, okay, then we fast forward. Now football's over with. Chancellor, who are you? What do you want out of life? What are you going to do? What's your purpose? What's up? I can't answer none of that. Because I identified as a student athlete. I embodied a student athlete and a football player for so long. Truly, I embodied it. So that's no longer the case. It's a whole reality check now. I got to start all over, refigure myself out. Well, I know I got to, I don't know what I want to do. I know I got to try some shit to start figuring it out. So that's why I just started applying for jobs. Applying, applying, applying. Getting told no, 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 no. First job, tell me yes, on the other side of the world. All right, boom. I, I got that shit out the mud again. Okay, now I go to the side of the world. Bam, I get locked up. Fuck, well, I can't, woo. You know what I'm saying? Now I'm back home, square one again. Money gone. Lost my job. Lost my girl. Back against the wall. Back to square one. What you going to do? What you made of? How much backbone you got? I bet shit. Now started writing a book. Continued to teach. Started coaching football. Got partnered with a nonprofit. Now I'm a life coach. In addition to all of that. I'm also an entrepreneur. Got a bunch of different shit going on. So it's just like, man. You know what I'm saying? it's been a journey for real for real that's why you just like i feel the energy yeah bro <laughs> yeah you're gonna feel this energy for sure bro ain't nothing been given to me i had to work for everything i got everything for sure hell yeah hell yeah well we love it man and and this story is just absolutely amazing and i'm gonna be finishing the book and and i highly recommend all you guys out there do as well we'll link it in this episode but other than your book uh, where else can kind of people find you? Social media, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. so I'm on uh, all social media platforms except for TikTok. TikTok, too new school for me. Y'all, y'all ain't going to find me on that. But um, find me on everything else. All y'all got to do is Google me. Google Chancellor K. Jackson. Everything you need will pop up. My social medias, other interviews, my website, um, my books. Everything will pop up for sure. Go to ChancellorKJackson.com. Get your copies, your personal autograph copies of 14 Days of Beijing. I got hardcovers and paperbacks. And I also just dropped a new romance novel on November 22nd. That's piggybacks off of 14 Days as well. It's all part of a series titled You Love and You Learn. Definitely go get that. That motherfucker is juicy. No cap. <laughs> all right. I, I love to hear that, man. You know, and, and you really, you really embody just this this perseverance that makes you think you know you really can't you really can't fail whatever you go out and try facts facts is like nipsey said man long-winded yeah running through this life like it was mine never settled is there is there anything else you're uh you're working on or is it um you know you love and you learn that's what you're going to be focused on for yeah for the uh the coming months yeah 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 just yeah the new romance novel definitely after i wrote 14 days i thought that was gonna be the only book i was gonna write and then i turned around and wrote the romance novel so clearly i'm going to continue to be writing books for the rest of my life um and uh, my books are based on real life experiences so the more shit i go through the more stories i have to tell um so yeah just books definitely audio books because not everybody reads so definitely gotta get the audio books going cater to that market um 
Yeah, man. Just continue to coach. And I got a car rental service going on right now. That shit going crazy. Um, yeah. Just running a couple, like Nipsey, bro. Running yeah, a couple Man, he ran a, different, a couple different marathons trying to get established for real. <laughs> for real. So it's like you got to have your hands dipped in a bunch of different shit. Of course. Multiple sources uh, of income. I'm excited to see, uh, you know, what we what we get from you, you know, down the road. Shit, hopefully it's films. That's my end goal. I want to turn hey, on these okay. films. Everybody that read 14, they like, bro, I can see this shit be on Netflix, bro. I can be in a, a special, bro. <laughs> I'm just like, for sure, I'm already knowing. And it's written like yeah. a script, too. So you, you were telling that story, and I was just imagining, you know, the scenes in, mm-hmm. in my head. Yeah. You know, what would this look like? You know, I've, I've never been to China. And, and really, painting that picture is something that, a lot of people don't get to experience. No, facts. Factual. Really, really a, a, a strong image in your mind. No, factual, factual, factual. Oh, but, yeah. Well, Chancellor, thank you so much, man, for hopping on here on the Pivot Points podcast. You know, it's been amazing to have you on here. And we're looking looking forward to all we see coming through. You got you got our support here on the Pivot Studios team and the Nickwin team. So all <laughs> love here, man, and continue all the success. On me, man. The marathon continues, like Nipsey said. This shit is as big as we want to make it. We'll go as far as we want to take it. You know what I'm saying? You hey. gotta take the stance that you're willing to die behind what you're getting after right now. I know who I am. I know what I believe, and that's all I need to know. And from that point on, the universe will move out your out your way. That's moving, man. Well, um, we're going to link in the description a uh, links to 14 Days in Beijing, as well as You Love and You Learn. And um, put out our socials, that's Pivot Points, uh, Iniquin Marketing, as well as Chancellor Jackson's, um, you know, where to find him, his socials and things. And and that, I think, about wraps it up. You know, yeah. thank you for joining in on the 13th episode of the Pivot Points podcast. Hey, <laughs> hey. for sure, for sure. I appreciate y'all for having me on here and giving me the opportunity to showcase my spirit and talents and my works.